Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Hello and welcome to the Study Notes Podcast. My name is Parker McGoldrick. I'm one of the pastors here at Ankeny Gospel Church, and this is a podcast called The Study Notes. It's just in the Ankeny Gospel Church podcast with our sermons. But The Study Notes is, it's not every week, but, and in fact, I haven't done it in a while, so I apologize. But uh, it's when there is, in our sermon prep, we study a lot, we read a lot, we evaluate a lot of information. And most times, actually every week, there are big chunks of research and big points and big um, things that we can explain that just don't make it into the sermon. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because I, I like writing and like really like any uh, creation, less is more. And so I'm more and more convinced of like, I, I, I would read these preaching books and it would say like, you know, less is more and, and don't say everything. That, and I was like, yeah, right. No, you should say everything you can. But now I'm realizing, oh no, the better the sermon, the more that, the more that's actually cut out because we can spend our whole lives in the Bible. And that's the beauty of it. That we could preach through Matthew, and then as soon as we get done preaching through Matthew, we could preach through it again, and it's like a whole different sermon series. Anyway, all that to say is there are some times where there's a point that we really, really, really wanted to put in the sermon, but we just literally, we just couldn't. We didn't have time. Um, and this week, there was a huge one, just a big one. And if you haven't listened to the sermon from Sunday, uh, last Sunday, it would be January uh, 7th, 2024. The title of the sermon was called Doubts and Expectations. And we opened up movement three of Matthew, which is Matthew chapter 11, 12, and 13. We opened up movement three with John the Baptist doubting Jesus, asking him a question, hey, are you the guy? Are you the anointed one? Are you the one to come? Or should I expect somebody else? And then Jesus answers him, and then he goes on to talk about John the Baptist and the prophets and all this stuff. And then he goes on to talk about this generation and how the generation has all these expectations of Jesus and John, but Jesus and John don't meet them because they have a very clear uh, role and then kind of landed the plane with what are our doubts of Jesus? What are our expectations of Jesus that lead us to doubting? Doubting is not bad in and of itself. Uh, doubting actually gives us an opportunity to go to Jesus. Faithful doubting leads us to Jesus, just like it did for John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't doubt and then say, all right, well, stick this. I'm done with this. He's, he, he was confused. He had expectations that weren't being met. And he's like, what on earth is going on? Are we sure this is the right guy? <clears throat> and, excuse me, and uh, that led him to Jesus to ask him questions. So that was kind of the gist of the sermon. But when, G- when John the Baptist asked uh, Jesus, are you the coming one or should we expect somebody else? Jesus had this answer and leave it to Jesus to just give us a confusing, nonlinear, um, backwards answer, right? I think, <laughs> I think it's easy to assume that Jesus was just clear because it's like, oh, well, Jesus wanted to save people. And so he had to be as clear as possible in order to make as many people repent and believe in him as possible so that they would know that he's the son of God. But he's just not. He's just not. Read any of the Gospels and 
people are constantly confused by him. And in fact, we're going to get to this in chapter 13 of Matthew, but also see Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 15. He talks in parables, and the reason he talks in parables is to confuse people. It's to, sorry, not to confuse people, to conceal information from people. There are a lot of reasons why, but one of the biggest reasons is to just, to A, show what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's the primary reason. All the parables are about the kingdom of heaven. But another reason is to is to kind of conceal uh, what he's doing. And I think it's easy to assume that, well, Jesus would never be confusing or cryptic. He wanted to be really clear because that's how we think of communication. We think of communication as give me exactly what I need to know, be as clear as possible. And Jesus oftentimes, and in fact, I would say the majority of times does not do that. And when he does do that, he's yelling at people and calling people out primarily and exclusively, actually not primarily, exclusively the religious leaders and those who think they know God, but really don't. Which that's a little uh, preview for our sermon for this upcoming Sunday on January 14th, uh, because Jesus says some woes to some cities of Galilee. Anyway, Jesus's answer to John the Baptist's question of, are you the Messiah or should I expect somebody else? I'm going to read it. Then we're going to look at where his, where Jesus's answer comes from. Like where, where does it come from? Why did Jesus say these things? What are the implications of that? And then after that, we're going to talk about the last days and the eschatological uh, kingdom of God coming in. And that sounds really intense, but it's not. And there's uh, the reason we're going to talk about this is because there's way too much confusion over the last days and uh, what Jesus really means by that. So this is what Jesus says to John when John asks him, hey, are you the right guy or should I expect somebody else? He says this in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 4 through 6. So we'll do 4 through 6. Jesus replied to them. These are John the Baptist's disciples that go to Jesus and ask this question. Because remember, John himself is in prison. Jesus replied to them, those disciples, Go and report to John what you hear and see. Quote, The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Thank you, Jesus, for such a clear, (laughs) clear answer. Okay, at, at the, there's multiple levels to this. At the surface level, what did Jesus just respond to John the Baptist with? He just responded with a list of all the miracles that he had just done. In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, Jesus did all of those things. He gave a blind man sight. He made a lame man walk. He cleansed the person with leprosy. He uh, made a deaf person hear. He raised the dead and he proclaimed the good news to the poor, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. All of those things he just did in chapters 8 and 9. So if you're, if you're John the Baptist... It says that John the Baptist heard in prison all of what the Messiah was doing. So on a surface level, Jesus actually doesn't answer John the Baptist's question. All he does is just repeat what John had already heard. He says, go and report to John what you hear and see. And then he gave a list of everything that he had just been doing. But John already knew what he had just been doing because it literally just said in verse 2 of chapter 11, when John was in prison, he heard everything that Jesus had been doing. So on a surface level, it looks as if Jesus just said, 
everything that John already knew. But Jesus is no, um, he's no dummy. He is brilliant and he is smart. And remember, at this time, Jesus and John the Baptist would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. And the prophet, the prophet that Jesus loves pulling from the most and most of the New Testament loves pulling from the most is Isaiah. It's Isaiah. So every one of these phrases, if you look at Matthew 11, verse 5, every one of these phrases, the blind receiver sight, that's a phrase, the lame walk, that's a phrase, those lepers, blah, 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 etc. Every single one of them comes from Isaiah. Several passages in Isaiah, not just like one verse in Isaiah, but like, a whole bunch of verses. I'm going to read these off to you really, really quick. So here you go. Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead will live, their corpses will rise. That is, in the Greek, it's the exact same as the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, for the dead are raised. Isaiah 29, 18 and 19. The deaf will hear, the afflicted and the poor will increase their gladness as they are told good news. That sounds familiar. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will shout for joy and waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams from the Arabah. The exact, almost exactly two or, two or three of those phrases in Isaiah 35 are exactly what Jesus uses in Matthew eleven five. Isaiah 42, verse 7 and verse 18. The eyes of the blind will be opened. And actually, we're going to come back to this one. Uh, in a second. We're going to skip down to Isaiah 61. This is Isaiah 61.1, which is like super famous in, in Luke. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus opens the scroll to Isaiah 61 and he reads this, the spirit of Yahweh God is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me, anointed, that word is Mashiach in Hebrew, which is Messiah, or Christos in Greek, which is Messiah or King, the anointed one, because Yahweh has anointed me, he has messiahed me to bring Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That means to bring near those who are brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Freedom to the prisoners. In Isaiah 42, which I said we'll come back to, it says to open eyes of blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from prison. Okay, multiple things are going on here. First, and this is uh, uh, most important, all of these passages in Isaiah that I just quoted from, that, sorry, Jesus pulls from, all of these passages are about the same thing, and it is when God's kingdom comes to earth, period. Every single, Isaiah 26, Isaiah 29, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 61, the context of the passage is God's eschatological or future, that's what that word means, future rule and reign coming down to earth to destroy darkness and evil once and for all and to set up his kingdom of justice and love and peace and mercy. Every single passage in Isaiah is about God's kingdom coming to earth. So when John the Baptist asks, are you the coming one or should we expect somebody else? Jesus answers with all these passages from Isaiah, which is basically like he takes all these verses, puts them in a blender blends them up, and then spits it out to, to, to uh, John the Baptist. What Jesus is saying, and what John the Baptist would have, like guaranteed would have known, is that all of these passages are from Isaiah, and all of them are about God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign coming to earth when the future dawn of the new creation comes. So if you're John the Baptist, and you hear all these things, 
And you are, you're, you're like, oh, that's from Isaiah 26. Oh, that's from Isaiah 29. Oh, that's from Isaiah 35. What are you then thinking? You are thinking, okay, Jesus, he is, he is doing it. He is the one who is to come. I should not expect somebody else because according to everything that Jesus just told me and all these passages from Isaiah, Jesus is the one bringing in and ushering in God's kingdom. He is saying, Jesus is saying, salvation is here. Salvation is here. The future day of the Lord that was talked about in Isaiah is being realized in me. And he says, blessed is the one who is infinite on me. So John the Baptist would have known that. John the Baptist also, now notice I said two of those passages, Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 61. Stay with me here. You're doing a great job for, for those of you who are listening. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, two of those passages talk about prisoners being freed. Isaiah 42, I'll read it again. The, uh, uh, the, the eyes of the blind will be open and he will bring out prisoners from the dungeon. He will release those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, to proclaim uh, uh, good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, which is freedom, to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. Where is John the Baptist right now? In prison. What did Jesus not say from these passages in Isaiah? He did not say to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, to fr bring freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim liberty to the captives. He did not say those things. Now, again, if you're John and you have the entire Old Testament memorized like Jesus and you hear, it's like the beginning of a song. When you hear a few words of a song, you can like repeat the rest of the song. You hear these phrases from Isaiah, you're, you're ready to repeat the rest of the passage of Isaiah. So, so John's ready. John is ready for Jesus to say, to proclaim good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted. He, he's quoting, John the Baptist is quoting it, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Yes, okay, Jesus, you are, you are the one to come. You are going to free me from prison. But what does Jesus not say? He doesn't say those two things. Instead, he says, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. In summary, what Jesus is saying is, yes, John the Baptist, I am the one who is to come. And all of these things that Isaiah prophesied about for the future day of the Lord, when God's kingdom is coming, when salvation is going to be brought to the nations, when everything, everything wrong will be made right, that day is here and I'm not coming for you. I'm not coming for you. I, I'm not going to release you from prison. My goodness, could you imagine what John the Baptist would have felt? What he would have thought? Oh, man, that, which is exactly why Jesus says, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. That word offended has this, uh, has this idea of stumbling. Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble over me. Because I, I am the one who is to come, and the, the day of the Lord is upon us that Isaiah himself prophesied about, but it is not what you expect it to be, and I'm not going to be coming for you. And you are blessed if you can if you can handle that. Wow. Okay. Well, that's Jesus for you, quoting from Isaiah, multiple passages in Isaiah. So that's what he said. And he also said, John, I'm not coming for you. Um, but more than that, I want to talk about this day of the Lord, this uh, future eschatological day. So there, there was a comment I made in the sermon from the verse, uh, Matthew 11, 13 says, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. There is a 
There is a dangerous and a popular interpretation of the Bible that views the Bible, especially the Old Testament prophets, that views the Bible and the Old Testament prophets as prophecy for today. And they look at the Bible, they look at Daniel, they look at Isaiah, they look at all these passages of Scripture, uh, Ezekiel, um, things like that, and they and try to interpret modern day events, current events, or even predict future events. So, for example, I've heard, you know, um, I've heard that when Israel got, gained its independence in 1960-something, that was the fulfillment of this prophecy of the Old Testament of Daniel. When Ezekiel prophesied about this, that is when this happened, when the river was going to dry up or whatever, and it's happening now, and, oh, we've got to look for the right uh, interpretation and, and, and all this stuff. And let me just say very clearly, that is wrong. That is wrong and that is dangerous because that therefore means that the prophets of the Old Testament are not fulfilled in Jesus, right? If we say, well, the prophecies of the Old Testament of Daniel and Ezekiel, oh, therefore today, that means they weren't for whom? Jesus. And it says very clearly in not just not just this verse, but in all the Gospels and in all the New Testament, really, that all of the prophets and the law are prophesied about Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. I mean, you, you read these passages at the beginning of the Matthew. This at the beginning of Matthew. This was to fulfill what was written in the prophet Isaiah. Blah 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 blah. blah. This was to fu- fulfill what was written. Blah 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 blah. What is what is Matthew trying to tell us? All of the Old Testament, these prophets about the future day of the Lord. These prophecies about when God's kingdom will come to earth, all of it, every single one, all of it is fulfilled in Jesus. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law and the prophets, Jesus says in Matthew 5, which means what? That none of it is for today. Be very cautious, very cautious of people who say that they have this interpretation of the Bible and this thing was fulfilled in 19 so-and-so, and this thing is fulfilled in 2000 at the market, and this thing was, this thing is going to be fulfilled in 2024, and this this was going to happen in the one world. No, no, none of that is real. It's not real because it what it does is it takes Jesus out of the picture of the Old Testament. Here's what a scholar says, and this is kind of a lengthy quote. I'll just kind of skim it. He says this, one of the most misleading movements in our time is the prophecy movement that reads the Old Testament scriptures as code by which to decipher contemporary events and to predict future ones. The law and the prophets then are not read with their intended Christocentricity, Christ-centeredness, but as predicting terrorism, the rapture, the Antichrist, the seven-year tribulation, the Israeli-Arab conflicts, and the war of Armageddon. Instead of being read as pointers to the incarnate word, The law and the prophets are read as pointers to the inchoate but deciphered world. The Old Testament is then made into a crystal ball instead of a Christ pointer. But the law and the prophets do their work of prophecy only until John. Any, and here's a good quote, any Old Testament prophecy that goes around, over, and even through but still past Jesus into modern events is not prophecy but voodoo. The Old Testament is not about the late great planet Earth or the left behind. It is all, only, and exclusively about the Messiah, come and coming, and only about him. 
This is the apostolic conviction in the verse before us, and no honor is done either to Scripture's prophecy or to Jesus' work by turning the Old Testament into a cableism, giving keys to current events. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Here's another quote later down. We may conclude that any Old Testament prophet or lawgiver who is used to prophesy beyond John's Messiah into the present, giving giving other than Christocentric Jesus teaching information, is anti-apostolic, however spiritual and however biblical the language might be. Ooh. (sighs) Okay, that's really good. Okay, here's one more. Last one. However, when the Old Testament is used to prophesy anything other than the Christ who came and who will come again, example by pointing to exotic figures or events in history that are predicted to precede a company or succeed him, the Old Testament is badly abused. Guys, let's not abuse the Old Testament. Let's not be uh, 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 tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Let's take Jesus at his own word. Let's take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at their own word that all of the prophets... All the prophecies in the Old Testament are only and exclusively about Jesus. I hope that's helpful. I hope that if you're listening, uh, I, I, uh, I hope that th- this word will go forth and it will not return void. So that is a little bit longer than I anticipated. My apologies, but that is Jesus's answer to John the Baptist in Matthew 11 verses 5 and 6 when he quotes from Isaiah and he says, hey, the, the kingdom of God is here. I am the one bringing it about, but I'm not coming for you. And then also that, the, that all of the prophets are only exclusively about Jesus. Hope that helps. God bless. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Inkening Gospel. Thank you.